Hi, everybody. Andrew Bray here, your sound designer and son of your podcast host, Barbara Bray. Hello, hello. Hi, Andrew. I'm having fun. (laughs) I love it when we get time to do this together. This is amazing. Oh, me too. Me too. Just every time I think that people are listening, they get to hear how much we, we, we gush about the podcast being, among other things, an excuse for us to connect. So... I'll take whatever creative endeavor you have as an excuse for us to uh, keep conversing this way. I love it because I know how busy you are. I don't know if I'd ever have time if we didn't do this. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I'd, I'd like to say, like, I'm sorry that I'm so busy, but I really feel like I got that from you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'm the I'm one of those uh, got got my to do list. I was telling someone uh, that I'm starting to try to stop being this person that goes through my to do list. I'm like a human doing, not a human being. And they went, "That's yeah. cool, Barbara." And I said, "Yeah, but I've got a. I actually have to do it <laughs> or undo it." <laughs> so the to do list of not doing. How do you check that off? You can't check it well, off, can you? Someone, I think it was Angela Myers said, I need to make a getting to do it list. What you're privileged to do and be happy about those things instead of just mm. putting all these things on your list. And I thought that was cool. I got to do that. And so I'm looking mm. at it. Well, tell us, tell us a little bit about your upcoming conversation with Kendrick Thomas. Oh, Kendrick is a... He's KTTV in Houston, <laughs> Texas. And um, I was so lucky. I, I met him on a panel um, that he was doing with um, people from all over the world. And when he started talking, it's just, I wanted to learn more. I just needed to learn about him because he also is a podcast host. He also has a radio show. And he just can connect and so we've connected and he's interviewed me and I, it's one of those, I know we're going to have a relationship for a long time because he's very special. Mm, I love it. Well, everyone stay tuned for your conversation with Barbara Bray and Kendrick Thomas. Hi everyone. This is Barbara Bray of the Rethinking Learning podcast. I'm really excited today because I met Kendrick Thomas, and I was so excited that, one, he got me on his show, and then I had to have him on mine. I'm so glad you're here. Yes, I am thankful. I'm very, very honored to be in your presence today, uh, Miss Barbara, and thank you for inviting me. Oh, this is so wonderful. I'm going to tell my audience a little bit about you and make sure I say your name right, because... Kendrick Thomas, it goes by KT, right? TV, but we're going to talk about that. But there's so much about you. I I was doing this research, and so let me just say a little bit, because I I know I'm not touching on everything, but we're going to talk about it. But you're an assistant principal in Houston, a certified life coach, an amazing speaker. I'm just saying that, okay? And a mentor a podcast host of The Daily K, and the host of the KTTV radio show. Yes. Is that all? I mean, what's the matter yes, with you? You should be doing more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, that, that is it. 
That's amazing. So KT is all about bridging the gap between the school and community through information. And he takes his passion for showing young people that through intrinsic motivation, there's a way out of every situation to another level, a level that is life-changing. Wow. Yes. It's real. It's real. (laughs) You're so amazing. Welcome for being here, KT. I just love it. I'm I'm just glad to be here. I'm glad to share. You know, this is an important place and important people. So I'm glad to be in the number. Oh, and you're just you're very humble, but it's really nice to show you off a little <laughs> bit because yeah, it's really cool. And, and maybe just tell us a little bit about your story growing up and where you grew up. Yes, um, originally from Shreveport, Louisiana, oldest of three, um, and mom was only 15 when she had me. Wow. Um, so, you know, it's like we, uh, in a sense, grew up together, um, you know, and so then um, uh, as I was the caretaker, mom went away for a few years. Um, she went to jail uh, <gasps> for like five years. And so then I had to kind of fend. We were like this close from foster, um, but my grandma took us in. And so, of course, then and me being the oldest, took care of the family, um, you know, so really raised by grandma. Uh, and my great grandmother, I was fortunate enough to have three generations of grandparents, uh, great <laughs> regular grandma and great great grandma all at the same time. So growing up, I had a lot of knowledge that was given. Wow. Yeah. That's really, I mean, with the mom so young too, and then going to jail. So were you, because you were the oldest, did you feel so responsible for your siblings and? Yes, I, I would tell you to be honest. Right now, um, my siblings and my relationship is is kind of uh, I don't know what to call it, but it's kind of confused almost because as mom was away, so when she came home, she worked from three to twelve every night uh, from the time I was sixth grade all the way up until graduation. And so, not only was I the caretaker then, but I mean I was driving at twelve, going to the grocery store. Um, I can remember so vividly the grocery list that I would have because it would only be like 20 bucks or something. And I had to make that stretch for me, my brother and my sister. Um, And so it it was just, it was crazy growing up, but the relationship came more of, they see me as the parent. And so then, um, you know, it's kind of hard to really build that other relationship. It's working with my brother, but me and my sister are more of the, if something's going bad, she doesn't really want to talk to me because she doesn't want me to know that type of thing. Yeah. Oh, that's tough. I'm the oldest of four girls. So Mm -hmm. I went through some, some, you know, everybody has a story, but uh, where you are in the, in the birth order does impact you, especially if you have certain responsibilities at that level, but we're all adults now. It's kind of like, Hey, I'm, let's just be friends. <laughs> I'm just trying to. It's not easy. So what you said something about, you know, a student. What was it like, you know, because of everything going on? What was it like as being a student? In, was that in Shreveport? Yes. Or did you move? Yeah. Okay. Yes, you it was in Shreveport. Shreveport. I mean, the student was crazy. As, as I'm an administrator um, and I go through elementary, uh, starting in high school, but I'm able to see the kids now who are the person that I was. So, you know, you think of the transit. So two elementary schools, two middle schools, two high schools, um, you know, and so just feeling my way through um, from the time mom left 
uh, to when she came home, like life was, it was different. So I, I was a behavior uh, teacher and I ended up being a district behavior specialist. Um, and the reason it was so connecting is because I was that behavior kid, you know, full of <laughs> anger, full of rage. Um, and so, you know, I had a few family members that got killed in the process too. So then I was more anger and more rage. Uh, so it was kind of rough. I, I had a <laughs> eventful schooling, you know. Wow. So, you know, you look back, you know, I was trying to think of when you were saying that, could you learn then? Or was it that anger kept you from even wanting to learn? I mean, was there, did you have, was there a teacher that was there for you or? Because um, you're so cool now, something mm-hmm. happened, right? Yes. Um, not really in, because mm-hmm. it was, it was, you know, you, you don't really talk about stuff outside of the house. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can't really, um, you know, I remember going to school with no lights and, and um, you know, just really blind picking the clothes out of a pile and just getting there. Uh, so it wasn't really a lot of talking about the home situation uh, until I got to high school. And then I was able to share. Um, and then I had a few teachers that took me under that wing. But uh, now from from elementary uh, to middle, it was it was kind of rough. But also because I was switching schools. So all my friends that I would build up, then I would lose them, you know, and do that. Cause I switched three times in elementary school. Oh my gosh. That must have been so tough. I, I mean, yeah I, yeah, I mean, I'm listening and thinking, cause there's a lot of kids now that are really struggling. Because, and we're going to talk about that a little later, but I, I'm trying to put, you know, myself in your shoes and just see what it's like. If yes. your, your mom is having some issues and you're kid, you're so responsible and but when you go to school you're you know there's behavior problems that you're probably seeing now with some of the kids it's probably you know you can feel it because yes. you've been there mm-hmm. I can't even imagine how you felt yeah it was it was crazy you know just uh it was crazy but we pushed her yeah you know what I I, I look now with kids that are going through some behavior problems and we don't have the time because we're working virtually or something. We don't, we can't hug them. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, did you have one person that at least hugged you or was there anybody? Yeah. Um, not, re- I mean, yeah. not really for elementary. Like I say, not, not a lot of oh. elementary, uh, you know, because, I mean, I was, like I said, I would keep this shield up, um, you know, and mm-hmm. my grandmother was like the neighborhood candy lady or so. Uh, uh, and so oh, yeah, uh, she sold school supplies. So I would leave elementary, take up all the money for kids who needed school supplies, walk to her house and then come back to school. Um, so yeah. it was an entire different persona. So, like I say, it was a no-no to kind of tell people the struggles you had at the house. So. Nobody yeah. really knew that I needed that. Well, you're pretty strong now, and it sounds like your grandmother, your great grandmother, there, and it just sounds like you had a people there that kind of watching over you. But it yeah. maybe the struggles made you who you are today because you're really amazing. Um, you know, I, I mean, I always wonder how kids learn when they're in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. You must have just figured it all out by the time yeah, you got I, to a certain, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know, um, you know, like I guess you could say smart or academic or something, but I didn't really know that I could learn until 11th grade. 
Like other oh. than that, it was it was it was flunking, but it was more fight. You know, I was always getting in trouble for fighting or being aggressive. And then I think about mm-hmm. seventh grade, I joined the gang, and so then now I'm fighting with the gang. And it was just so much, you know. I would skip school, and we go initiate more people. And it was a lot. So by the time I got to high school, um, I mean it was it was. It was now the gang stuff that sprawled into the school. And so then that's when one of the male teachers, you know, kind of pulled me to the side uh, because the whole time, like my mom was home now. So she would come up to the school when I get in trouble. So they knew it was somebody that cared for me. But on the other end, my neighborhood friends kind of were the people who I believed in. And so then I, I was in Rome. So I did what they did. Well, it's also a feeling, a sense of belonging. If you yes. didn't feel like you belonged in school, the gangs were like the people that were the place where you belonged. And even if it was bad, it was still some place. I mean, yeah, the people. And luckily, you know, 11th grade, I mean, it's a long time, a long yeah. time for you, you, but you, I mean, is that kind of, I mean, having the teacher and having someone recognize this, but some, did something else happen that changed you? I, when I got to college, um, so I learned about, I, I always, we do our college story at my school. And so I always tell the kids, I learned about college in March of my senior year, you know? And so I've haphazardly asked my friend, I said, well, man, what are you doing after high school? He said, man, I'm going to college. I was like, man, what is that? Um, and, oh. so, <laughs> and so I found out and we ended up getting the paperwork done. And so, of course, I was able to start. Uh, in the fall semester, um, you know, going through that process. I think that was when life changed for me. When I got there at 18 and uh, now, you know, we got people that's bad, but we all want to do good because we're all here at college, right? <laughs> so so a lot of those traits uh, rubbed off on me. Uh, and then I just learned how to become into the person um, I am today. Definitely a total 180 wow. from the person who graduated high school. But you graduated. Yes, I did. That's pretty cool. You know, I mean, yes. it could have gone completely a different direction. So. Yes, it, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> when I graduated, I had my own uh, house, me and two of my older friends. Um, so it could have went, could have went crazy. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Did, was there was there an experience that happened in your life that kind of was your why or your purpose that you figured something out at that time you know like um not not really nothing that that tragically um happened mm-hmm. um you know it just it just was the people I started hanging around you know I started hanging around different people um and so just picking up those habits and then because the whole time I was really searching for who I was as a person Mm-hmm. Um, and so by by the time college came, it was like I'm away from home. I was probably like an hour and a half from home. So I was just with these people all the time. And so I was able to see just different things in life, different ideas. Mm-hmm. And so that that's what really started helping me turn the mold and, and understand it because I was always smart, I would say. But I, that's when I understood that it's OK to be smart. It's, it's still cool. You don't have to be <laughs> like a gangster. <laughs> wow. Well, you learned. I mean, it's knowing that you can learn and knowing that you have this potential inside you and maybe you had to figure out a way to realize it 
And sometimes you're so influenced by your friends, it's hard to know. So yes. where were you, where did you go to college? Uh, I started at Northwestern State. Um, and so um, went there and I ended up going back home. Um, and so then I ended up coming down to Houston in 2003. Um, and so I finished up at University of Houston. And then a master's from Prairie View. What'd you get your master's in education? Or? Yes, ed administration. Wow. So you liked Houston? I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, I love it. Like I said, I, I, my friend called me Thursday and said, come down, finish school, get a job, teach. He told me that Thursday, he picked me up September 3rd, which was that Tuesday, 2003, and I haven't been home since, except to visit. <laughs> Uh, well, it's a beautiful city, and it's got. Uh, so you're living there now. Do you have a family? No, just me. No kids. No pets. Just me. Oh man, all those girls out there are going to go. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're something else. You're really cool. So, um, one of the things that I hear from you is that you you figured it out that yeah. you have this power inside yeah. you i mean to go so you were a teacher what did you teach first and then you went into administration what was the yes, um, the journey of that special education we went all all facets in class support um behavior teacher uh no life skills anything but just um you know all facets of speed besides life um, so I taught everything and I ended up going from high school as an English teacher for speed in the behavior class to elementary. Um, and I worked in a behavior unit for what that was three years. And I became an administrator at the same school uh, that I was a teacher at. And I've been there. So one school. Amazing. Yes. You know, I could just see you teaching life skills, though. <laughs> With everything in your life, it's yes. amazing. And you know, I, I, I just think it's special ed. When you teach special ed, there's so much that can support every kid. Yes. Everything yes. you're doing. So yes. as an assistant principal, is your job discipline? Or but you said behavior, oh. but no, that's everything. With they it's, everything. it's everything, you know, it's uh <laughs> because the, the biggest part about that was on on the special ed side, I was very, very, very superior with dealing with behavior, making that connection, learning kids. And so since then, you know, you got to step out of that world of special ed where you kind of, your curriculum is, you know, it's behavior, then curriculum. Because if they don't get together, you can't teach them. So stepping out of that administrative, uh, into the administrative role, I've learned to be the instructional leader. Um, you know, and really focus on getting the curriculum, helping teachers grow. Um, and so that has been the big part because um, I'm trying not to focus a lot on discipline because I'm using my relationships to to work with those high flyers. Um, and so then we're proactive versus reactive. So then that's all I get to do is worry about the instruction. Oh, I love that. Being proactive. Yes. It, it, I think that's the thing that is um, really important is to see beyond the behavior and really find out what's going on. Or maybe they would have found that with you earlier too, if people had done that. We didn't know, yes. teachers didn't know that. Yes. Yeah. And, and many APs that I talked to, 
their job is discipline. And a lot of times they get the kids that are the behavior problems, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of someone saying, what is going on with your life? <laughs> right? And before it gets to that bad part. So I love that you're, you're doing that. And, it, and you're at the same school you worked at. So you know a lot of the people that have yes. been there. Yeah, that was That's hard. The- <laughs> Hard. I thought it would be better because you moved so much when you were growing up. It might mm-hmm. have been better to be more stable and stay with the yes. same people. It was, but um, then I became the supervisor of my friends. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, that's like great. So, that's like taking care of your siblings, right? <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's like I was like, man, y'all don't invite me to help out anymore. What happened? You know. But, <laughs> <laughs> you're not now, my friend or saying yeah, yeah it's like no you are them now you're in the dark side bro that's what they tell me <laughs> this podcast is a proud member of the teach better podcast network better today better tomorrow and the podcast to get you there explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com now let's get back to the episode well, now everyone's kind of in a funny position, and we're going to talk about yeah. that a little later. But before we get to your podcast and you know, all of that, I, you know, I started looking at all the speaking and the professional development you do on top of. You don't have much time for anything else because you got your whole day. Everything is like full. I, I'm just so I was looking at some of the topics, and I thought maybe we'll just talk a little bit about them. So if anyone wants you to help them, I think you could do it. One of the things you mentioned was self-encouragement and motivation. Mm-hmm. Yes. The, um, the, the, yeah. the biggest thing was, um, like I said, I like to help people find it because it wasn't anybody around me that really turned the switch on. Like I was around these other people, but it still was something in me that clicked. And I found, like you say, that power. And so as I work with kids through my boys club, as I work with adults, um, it's really asking them, what are you willing to do? And then I hold them to it, you know? And so that's big as a thing, but you'll set the parameters and then I'm going to hold you to it, but only asking those guiding and reflective mm-hmm. questions, not necessarily offering advice. So I forgot to mention that you lead the great, the G-R-E-A-G yes. boys club. Yeah, that is yeah. that's so cool. How yeah. and so you're working with these at-risk youth that are that's pretty darn yeah. cool. So you yeah. what what is anything special that kind of connects you with that with the mm-hmm. topic that we just mentioned? I mean, yeah. Um. So so the Great Boys Club, uh, gentlemen representing education and transition, and so then ah. I try to um, I try to keep us. Um, you know, just abreast of having conversations about life. Um, each year I pick about 20 to 30 boys uh, on my campus. And a lot of them is, I try not to get just the behaviors. So like my first year, I would say teachers nominate, but then they want to nominate the behavior kids. So um, I said, well, we got, if you only give me behavior kids, I have nobody to help them. So then I had to go back and pick, start, you know, handpicking the group. And so we do about 30 boys. Um, and they, we, the first lesson that we have each year is, do you plan to live until you're 21? Um, oh. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a real question. Oh, yeah. that's strong. All right. But if they agree and we talk about it, then we're saying, okay, so what does the future look like? But that's the day one, plant that seed of 
eventually I'll be a different person. I'll be grown. I have to take care of this. Mom won't be there for this. And so having me being able to start that in them, uh, which is something that I really didn't get for me, you know, that that's how I kind of kind of get that in them because it's all still about that intrinsic and finding what's inside of you to help you move those mountains. Well, you might have, are the kids from like 16 on, or are they certain age group? Oh, these kids here are uh, elementary. Elementary. So, um, oh, yes, so elementary. I thought they were maybe from your high school. Oh, wow. Elementary. Yeah, <gasps> elementary. Gee, so they, yeah. 20 to 30 boys, do any of them say they don't expect to live? Uh, I've had a few. I've had a few, honestly, um, that because of maybe um, siblings were killed or either they'll live in a, um, because, you know, my district is Title One, And so it is rough. You know, um, some places are rougher than others. And so a lot of kids at third grade, fourth grade don't have hope. You know, um, they don't care, you know, you know. And so, you know, it's one thing when a kid gets angry and you hear that, I don't care, I don't care. But it's another thing when you hear that I don't care and you can feel that this kid has nothing to care about, nothing to live for. And so that's where mm-hmm. all that experience comes in, the motivation of just getting them excited, uh, bringing in people to talk to them, read to them, um, and just give them a different view of what they could be. Oh, my gosh. Do you ever follow those kids after when they move oh, on? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. They, um, yeah, some of them reach out. Do they come yeah. back and maybe talk to the other kids or something too? Or? Yes, I've had some do that. I have, um, you know, like, um, let me see, when was the last, it had to be a few years ago. Um, maybe about two years ago, I had some kids who transitioned on to intermediate school, middle school. And so then they always want to come back and kind of talk to the kids. They'll, they'll get out early, come by the school. And so then I bring a kid to the front office and say, man, talk to them. Let's have the conversation with them. And so then they'd always help me with kids. So yes, you know, oh, that's real, really beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful because uh, wow, we could use doing almost. I, mean, I live in Oakland, California, and we have a lot of kids that are similar. And um, they do have a boys, several boys clubs, and they have some other things too that are great. But I don't know if they have the same kind of thing where it's on. If they ask that question, you know what yeah. I mean. That's a that's. It's hard for me to understand because I am privileged. I'm white. Mm-hmm. I don't have the same issues. I did work in the schools, but I didn't really get it. How scary it is. And, you know, for many of these kids. So I'm so glad that, one, that you can do this for them. This is just amazing. So that motivation, that intrinsic motivation, some kids don't have it. Yeah. And that's one of the things you talk about in your in your in the workshops and the speeches that you do, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Just finding, like you say, finding the why. Well, the why is the biggest thing for me. I mean, mm-hmm. I found that I I didn't even know that I wasn't living my life. I was living, I, was, I call it renting someone else's story for my life. And yes. that's what it sounds like you did until 11th grade, really. Yes. So, And then the other topics that I saw was engagement. Is it something that the teachers have to do mm-hmm. to engage oh. the kids or, or the kids yes. have to do? I would definitely say it has to be the teachers. Um, in, in my district, we have a saying, meaningful relationships and meaningful work. And so then there's no way really to have one without the other. And so then that looks like in your planning, you know, how are you 
building that relationship and knowing your students to be able to give them that hook from something that's relevant to their lives. You know, so then once you do that, then how are you accounting for their learning styles? And then what are you doing to keep some students where some would, you know, just get quiet on you? Because no longer are the days the engagement of the kid looking up and shaking their heads and like, I need to know more. I need to be, have your thoughts, you know, giving those kids that power inside of the classroom to make decisions during that lesson. You know, how are you doing that? So a lot mm-hmm. of the things start with the teacher. Um, and the adult, but then the kids come in and tailor by giving their feedback and showing that they're engaged. And that to me is like they get a voice and a choice in, in how they learned. And so I, I just love, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when you're doing those workshops. That sounds, yes, <laughs> that sounds yes. wonderful. Uh, we, we just had one here virtually. Um, I want to say a few weeks ago, I did one for a TeachCon. And so um, that was the topic. It was uh, engagement. So it was meaningful relationships, meaningful work, one on one, and that was the full Perfect. topic. Yes. Well, you'd have to do some more, and then I'll point to them. So let's yes. make sure people go. That sounds really good. <laughs> so, what made you start your podcast? And well, then the radio show. What? What? Yes. How did that happen? Uh, I always say, out of tragedy comes the triumph. May. Uh, my brother, I was at work. We're closing out the school year. I get a call saying that my brother had just taken his life to suicide. Oh, um, yes. And so, um, you know, just thinking of like what happened, like what did I miss? I just talked to him like two days ago on the wow. telephone, and um, you know, so didn't know what would happen. Um, so while that was going on, um, I had a friend of mine. So my brother passed May 31st and my friend passed May 18th, one of my best friends. Oh, no. And so the sad part is she died and I was calling, calling, and I didn't know anything, um, but I couldn't get in touch with her. I go by the house. She wasn't there. And her family reached out to me May 22nd, but they messaged me through social media. And, you know, when they're not your friends, they go to a different box because you have to approve them. Did not see the message. And so mm. I missed her. Her funeral was the day that I found out my brother killed himself. Oh my and gosh. So, but I missed her funeral. I missed everything. Like, Ooh. so I'm still dealing with closure from that. So uh, we were working on um, teaching teachers um, and signing up to teach early childhood because that was her specialty. Um, she ran a daycare, um, a few daycares, as a matter of fact, the Goddard schools is what they were called. So she did that. Um, and my brother, we always talked about getting online and just doing motivation and live feeds for people who need things. And so I wanted to put both of those together, um, which is why I do the daily quotes in the morning, why I do the podcast that is really giving information to the community, uh, really teaching people, but really also being a resource and bringing people together, you know, mm-hmm. so. That's what it's all about, you know, Wellness Wednesday, uh, Talk About It Thursday, all those things. Oh, we'll have to, we have to link to them, put some of the quotes up, because we, yes. we make a post to go with this. This is, oh, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. That must, it's still yeah. tough. Yeah. Oh, tough. Yeah. But I think that this has probably helped heal you by yeah. doing, this is really, so that's maybe a good um help for anybody who goes through something is that yeah. you you got to push through and yeah. do something that can help others so yes. right now we're 
you know, we're in um, this crisis with uh, COVID. And because of that, I mean, everything you're doing is going to be all virtual too, right? It, yes. Is yeah, that we, how the schools um, are? Are they that no, way? We, we came back um, October 12th. We came back face-to-face. Um, and so as a school of 750, round roundabout, uh, as of right now, we have about 475 kids in the building. Wow. Yeah. And everyone's so, safe. Uh, they're, and they're zero, safe. So far, zero cases. Knock on wood. A few scares. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not so yeah. few, few you know, so, but, um, you know, really, we really focus on uh, a lot of prevention, a lot of, you know, your one-way hallways, um, your cohort in the classroom. So a lot of those things. Um, so we're not really... Uh, touching each other um so we've been like i said we've been able to kind of keep it um just in case we have the contact trace to keep it simple um so that's where we at but we have been back though ah well that's good i for the kids because i know kids want to be back and the parents probably also so um with that have you noticed any because they're back but there's probably some other issues how are they doing how, how are they handling it? Um, the, the kids are okay. Uh, you can tell that they've been looking at a lot of television uh, <laughs> because they, they have so many made up things. But moreover, um, they, they, they understand what's going on. And, and it's so uh, awesome because, you know, it's kindergarten or uh, pre-K through four, you know. So ah. uh, when I'm talking to my kindergarten's first, second, third, fourth, they know about the virus and they know why it's important to keep the mask on. Um, so, like I say, we don't have a lot of put your mask on, any of that. So I think they're doing okay. Um, mm-hmm. And the biggest thing was, uh, you know, the teachers. So I, I try to make sure, to, you know, set up the lounge or extra relaxed places for them or really just provide that grace uh, for them uh, throughout this time that we've been together. Because a lot of times I've seen that they're so selfless, you know, so they want to mm-hmm. do their small groups. Uh, you know, they want to work with the kids. And so it's a lot of like right here. And I'm like, well, you know, you got to still be careful. I understand what you're doing, but I have to do my job and that's keep us safe. And so it's a lot, but overall, I think we're okay so far. Oh, that's wonderful. Teachers are amazing. And the kids are, we give them a lot of credit because this is really, this is all they know right now for almost a year. It's uh, uh, some of the kids that are just, you know, don't get to see their friends and things like that too. And then uh, we have holidays coming. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. it makes it tough. So, wow, you've been through so much. I, you really touched my heart. I, I'm really amazed by you. So let's go on about you and now your why and what's next. Yes. Uh, for me, I've really been focusing on just building. Um, so it's crazy before my brother, um past i knew nothing about like video and editing and media and social media and all these ads and things and so in the past year i've really learned and been really growing the media company um and so now we're doing like events uh of course the radio station uh, which is almost at uh, a million people um and so it's wow. just a lot yes and we uh 939 000 documented listeners and so it's just we're pushing you know, um, so wow. I mean, tell me the name. So I got to make sure people know your. So it's your radio station that has nine, almost a million. 
No, no, no. It's the uh, the radio station. So we are, it's like um, maybe about 20 of us. And it's a digital streaming radio station. Ah. Uh, yes. And so we're like the number one streaming here in Houston. Yes. But no, my show, not my show, but my show is doing great too, because we just started August 9th. And so, um, you know, the ratings go from one to 12. And so in a month and a half, we went from a four all the way up to an eight with the rating. Oh my God. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Especially so now. Right this is amazing. And it's on Sunday with the football going on uh, too. So, you know, <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm pulling here. Uh, but so, uh, so, yeah. So I think, uh, yeah. Next is just growing that and getting better. Um, and then, of course, um, doing my best at leading the school and just because I come online, I tell them my teachers all the time. So I go on these podcasts, and I do this radio show, and I talk all that talk. So y'all make sure that when I get in this building, I'm walking that walk. It's the same. And so that's that's basically what it's about. Yeah. A lot of us hear people talk about it, but they don't actually do walk the yeah. walk. And you do. You're walking the walk, yeah. and now you're flying up high, and you're <laughs> on the internet, and you're everywhere. I just love it. And that's how I found – well. I found you through another panel you were on, and but it was like uh, kind of fun just to spend a little more time with you. I just yes. this is see, I like to me. It's like I just felt like I was on the porch with you and having a coffee because <laughs> you're really amazing. Yes. Thank you, thank you, Miss Ball. Oh, you're welcome, and um, I, I'm really excited to follow your journey forward because I think uh, it's it's an honor to know you. And I really love it, KT. This has been wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hopefully we'll keep in touch. Yes, we have to. It's only right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) This is Barbara Bray. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning Podcast and my conversation with Kendrick Thomas, KT. Make sure you check out the blog post that goes with this podcast about KT on my Rethinking Learning website. It includes his story, being an assistant principal, a life coach, mentor, about his podcast and radio show, and so much more. You can subscribe to my website at barbabray.net to receive announcements, updates, and you can even check out the guiding questions for my book, Define Your Why. I hope you subscribe to my podcast because we'll be sharing ideas, stories, and reflections during this crisis. Now we need each other more than ever. All of our stories matter. Keep sharing your story and please stay safe and be well.